You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to the Hoops Fix podcast with me, our host Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And we continue on with these bonus episodes covering Luol Deng and Pops Mensah Bonsu's Instagram live sessions, hashtag Deng Pops Chat. This is episode five, which ended up being an extension of episode four because they had so much to cover when they talk, were talking about their pro careers. Um, they didn't fit it in the last episode, so they extended it out into, into this episode and ended up, ended up in large part being a Q&A session um, dealing with uh, answers, question and answers from the fans. Um, Luau addresses his situation with the Lakers uh, Pops discusses a very sticky situation in Russia but again a, a lot of uh, great stories which I think you will thoroughly enjoy as always if you want to support the work that we're doing please check out our Patreon account that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash hoopsfix h-o-o-p-s-f-i-x and there you can sign up to support us with a monthly donation of as much or as little as you'd like to help us continue doing the work that we're doing you can reach out to me on email sam at hoopsfix.com or on every single social media platform at hoopsfix uh, I do my best to respond to every single one uh, that's enough for me here is episode five of hashtag deng pops chat uh covering their pro careers coach gail what's up man uh I see a lot of people signing in right. what's good pops i don't know if people could hear me before no they're good they're good i can hear you oh okay okay so it was something with the phone last time i mean it was the it was the phone you had it was like a what's it called a I think it was like a, a Motorola or something. That's why it wasn't working. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a it was a flip phone, yeah. Flip phone, yeah, yeah, standard. Hey, we look like we got similar shirts on today. It's the colors, man. Got to represent. Yeah. African giant. Uh huh. Mm. Yo, so uh, speaking about uh, the doc. <laughs> oh wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You saw what Stanley just wrote, my guy Stan. <laughs> nah, I said what he said. He said, shouldn't it be Pops and Dang instead of Dang and Pops because uh, Ghana had independence first? Oh. <laughs> See, this, 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 is, this, this is the problem. Let me, let me, let me uh, uh, shout out Stan real quick for everything that he done. Stan. African chop out, man. Yeah, but, you know, we, we got we to gotta get away from... First of all, Africa is one. We all we we get we all get independent. We all get it together. They divided us up. So you know, and you know, South Sudan claimed pops anyway. So oh. know. <laughs> uh, you know, the line says he's Ghanaian, but you know, he's 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 definitely South Sudanese. <laughs> no, the bounce said I was Ghanaian. That's because I'm Ghanaian. Nah, listen. When we went to when we went to your village, and uh, we yeah. met with the king, he gave you the history, the breakdown. Yeah, that was crazy, man. You, you, we got to tell that story, man. I remember, so my uncle, who's the Ashanti King, uh, we went to Kumasi in Ghana when we first went there with the NBA. And he looked at the both of us and he was like, man, you guys like favor each other. Height, well, I don't, he didn't say height because I'm clearly taller than you. Um, he was talking about just how we favored each he other. Been, he must have been sitting down. Well, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so, I look, so you look taller than you actually are. Um, and then he, he told us about what happened in East Africa hundreds of years ago in regards to the migration pattern and that a lot of a lot of people migrated from East and went across the continent. And some people stopped off in Central Africa. Some people stopped off in um, in, in Senegal, Ghana and Ivory Coast. So if you look at the body makeup of people in on the on the East in like 
Kenyan, South Sudanese, Sudanese, like you know, all these people, they're tall, skinny, dark. And if you just look at different parts of the country, like West Africa, you have people with dissimilar builds too. And my uh, uncle was telling me how, how that came about. So that was pretty dope. So, you know, we all know Louis Ghanaian at heart. So respect, we accept you. We hey, embrace hey, you. Listen, you're, you're welcome. Hey, listen, that was one of the best experiences ever. Not, not only being in uh, in Ghana, but also, you know, traveling to where you're from, me and we, your uncles and relatives. That that was dope, man. And, mm -hmm. and the crazy thing is, we were there because we were doing uh, basketball. You were doing a basketball clinic. Right. Uh, which, you know, you circle back now, and now there's a, a, a league. Exactly. Uh, which, you know, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> to me, it makes me so happy because we, we've been talking about it but we did so much to try to bring that league i mean just not even just the league the attention of just young african kids who you know want to want to be part of the game yeah man that's crazy you say that man i think that was what 2013 2014 you went to ghana yeah yeah and like we hadn't even the thought of the basketball african league probably had never came up and um you know Fast forward seven years later, we're talking about a professional league being backed by the NBA and FIBA on the continent. And I remember, and this is a different episode, uh, I remember calling, you know, Amadou and, you know, some of the others at the NBA Africa and told them, I want to own a team in Ghana. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's done. I was like, whatever it takes to do, we're going to do it. And uh, in due time, there's going to be a team in Ghana and we're going to build an arena there too. So again, we're, we're skipping over episodes. So um, where are we at from last week? Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking at the questions now because I really want to jump into questions right away. I think we, I spoke, uh, we ended it with uh, some something around uh, when I was traded uh, from Chicago um, after being there 10 years and you, you know, you spoke, I don't know, did you speak a little bit about um, what it takes just to get up and get going again when you, you know, you invest in one organization and, um, all of a sudden, you know, they've made up their mind to move a different direction already. Man, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's pain though. It's pain. And, you know, now that I'm on this side of the game, uh, in the front office side, I kind of, it opened my eyes to a lot more and it didn't take away from the bitterness that I held or the pain that I had every time I was cut or released from the team. But now that I'm on the front office side, I think it allows me to do my job a little better because I, um, I've kind of understand the game more and I understand what was going on at the time, especially when I got cut and some of the decisions that I was made. Now, maybe the delivery or the way I received the message wasn't um, the best or to me at the time, something that I could really um, accept or receive because you're you're telling somebody you're getting traded or we're cutting you so you're basically telling them we're we're cutting your dreams short at this moment in time in your life and i just remember speaking of pro when i first ended up going to italy i was i was uh protesting the nba like i would never wear i would never wear nba socks nba spandex or whatever shorts or nothing and i remember my teammate had a pair and he was like yo um he actually asked for a pair of socks and I gave him a pair of NBA socks. And he was like, oh, you got more? I was like, you can have whatever you want. I don't wear NBA socks. And he was like, why? I was like, because I don't, I don't mess with them. Man. I don't mess with the NBA. And he was like, I don't think anybody in the NBA cares if, you, if you're not wearing socks over, uh, overseas. So, 
you know, I, I think it just, I was in my feelings and I, and I took it personal. And yeah. the business side of the NBA is, is, is crazy. And you have to learn how to be professional and take it the right way because you can't burn those bridges. And I think luckily I didn't let my emotions get the best of me when, um, when, uh, when those, those uh, occurrences did happen. And it allowed me to thrive now that I've retired and gotten to the front office side. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I would I would tell people, I think the one thing that, um, you know, you really have to stay true to, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. I think, you know, for me, I would say definitely, you know, it, it definitely hurt when, uh, when I got traded. Um, and with that being said, I'm lucky to, to be with, with one organization for 10 years. Uh, not a lot of people could say mm -hmm. that, but it didn't hit me until, you know, uh, later on, after a few years, after being gone, because you're bitter, right? you know, you're bitter, you're upset at how things went, you start to reflect back, I gave it everything, you know, you remember the days where, you know, you, you were hurt, but you got up and played, um, mm -hmm. you know, because you love playing and you're passionate about it, but you're giving everything for that organization and that jersey you're wearing. So when they just decide, uh, you think it was a split second, uh, but you don't really know, you know, whether they thought about it for a while, whether they decided right away or an opportunity came up and they made a decision. Those are things that you know now, Pops, because you're on the other side. But those mm -hmm. are things that, you know, as a player, you don't understand. You don't understand how those decisions are made. You just... You just go with your feelings like, yo, man, I, I've been here for 10 years and overnight at 1.40 in the morning, you're giving me a phone call telling me I'm traded. Uh, and at least you got the phone call, though. Yeah, but... <laughs> at least but you didn't find out on, on Instagram or uh, Twitter or ESPN. No, I, I had... I, listen, I had teammates who got traded while we were on the bus uh, to a game. Uh, I got... Uh, in L.A., I had a teammate who got traded while we were on a plane. Uh, again, stay on the flight the whole time. And we landed. He couldn't get out of the plane. He had to sit there and go uh, find his way from there. Because once you're traded, you know, once you're traded, you're, the team that you're with, they're not responsible for you anymore. Uh, so you the have, other team that has to take that has to Yeah, take that everything now is done with the other team because if anything happens, you weren't in their hands. You know, that's just how it works. You know, so for me, it was definitely. But now when I look back afterward, after a few years, you look back and you're, you know, I was so invested in being great or just doing what I got to do that you look back and anytime now, anywhere I go and, you know, people talk to me or say my name, it's always Chicago Bulls. It's not anywhere mm -hmm. else. It's not, you know, the Ward Dang in Cleveland, you know, here in Miami, because I live here and I love people here. I always get loved in Miami. And it's, mm -hmm. I was only here for two years, but the love from... Miami is incredible for, for someone who's been here for two years. Um, so for me, you know, it's worth it. But you look back and you're like, man, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a bull. I'm, I'm a Chicago bull because I've been there for so long. So mm -hmm. after years, you know, that's gone. But it definitely hurts when you get uh, traded. Um, like I said, I want to I want to jump into I don't know, Pops, if you have a questions, but I want us I'm going to I'm learning how to do this. I see some questions here. Uh, Someone says, Pops, where did you get the crew neck from? Uh, I don't know if you want to take that questions, but. Uh, um, yeah, no, nah, this was a, a campaign that the Players Association did a few years ago, actually for the first NBA Africa game um, that you pretty much helped facilitate um, in Johannesburg. And this is part of the line that they did that had all the 
African sweaters and hoodies and jackets. And, you know, obviously with a big moment, and I have another one that's red and has all the, all the countries, the, the African countries that have ever been represented in the NBA. Let's see. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. see, see, ooh. see. Yeah, listen. So, so what popped up? Listen, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. This is, this is a great question, um, but I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I told you I'm learning how to use this thing. I clicked on it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we got, we can't look back now. Oh hey, man, hey, we can't look. Listen. <laughs> but um. Uh, the question yeah, is, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spectator. This is you. This ain't gonna no, make no, this no, one gonna, for me. No, I ain't gonna shy away from it. The question is, how does Luol, how does Luol feel about Danny Ferry and the Hawks organization today? Um, first, let me talk about the whole situation um, and how it really happened. It's it's, it's crazy, but uh, I was in Chicago. Wait, wait. And, before you go, Lou. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Before yeah, you go, go so everybody knows on Lou's on the thing you can see um there's a little question mark sign right next to the comment if you click the question mark sign your questions will go right to lou and he can pick which which question he wants to um answer so that's how or he can accidentally or he can accidentally hit it he'll actually hit the hit the hit the wrong question so yeah. send your questions and hit the uh the question mark right next to the comment um box go ahead lou yeah so i was i was in chicago um, I remember I was chilling. Um, I remember exactly how it happened, man. I was on the couch uh, watching, and um, it was the news was basically what's going on in LA. Uh huh. Um, and it was at the. Did I? Did I? Did the screen just go blank? I'm sorry if it did. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. Uh, most of all, the um, your anytime minutes right now. I don't think you. Um... Anyway, hey, listen, man, you and your phone joke. So anyway, so look, I was, in, I was in Chicago. I was on the couch. I'm watching the whole L.A. thing, you know, with the owner, with Magic, uh, what the owner said and the whole racism surrounding, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the owner of the Clippers at the time and what's happening. And I'm sitting there and, you know, me, Pops, I like I'm just sitting there like, ooh, <laughs> 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 I'm sitting there like, yo. So someone got somebody. This is this is not this is like some spicy stuff, you know. I'm just sitting there, I'm watching, and then all of a sudden, my phone start going off left and right. My phone's going off, and I'm like, yo, my my first thing was, yo, what did I do? Like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking right away, like, what did I do? Did something happen? What? And I saw, you know, my agent was like, look, uh, ESPN is about to report this thing, and your name is in it. Um, and I said, what thing? You know, like. I called him right away and he said, oh, you know, Danny Ferry said something or he was recorded saying something and your name came up and it was something to do with being African, um, being African. At the time, I was a free agent. Uh, this is right before I signed with the Miami Heat. I was a free agent and it was a lot of teams who were trying to sign me. And I, uh, I guess I came up in a topic in, uh, in the conference uh, meeting and the reason why I, I don't know what was going on with the organization at the time, and they were kind of targeting certain players. And I was one of the players they wanted, but there was a lot more to do with 
you know, not my game, but just who I am of being African. Uh, mm -hmm. Within the organization, I guess some people didn't want an African player or a black player for that. So in a meeting, it was recorded to say all that stuff. Uh, he said he was reading a report and he said that some somewhere in that report, it said all the stuff about basketball, but then at the end it says, but he's African. So I didn't do anything. It just came my way. And, you know, till today, I, I, and I always said this, I said, listen, I don't know. I spoke to Danny Ferry afterward, obviously, but I said, look, I don't know Danny Ferry, but I'm going to tackle this because it's not something I'm going to be quiet about, but it's something that I'm actually very proud to be African. So for me, I wanted to put it out there and let people know how proud I am. It wasn't something that I'm trying to hide. Uh, it, it just, it was so stupid. You know, it was so stupid, but uh, at the same time, I try to use it to, to again, uh, my whole career, just putting Africa out there first and just let people know. And I wrote a statement of how proud I am uh, to be an African. And, you know, that question with the organization, I, I'm really, there's nothing for me against Atlanta Hawks. This was individuals, you know, and I think that those people might have been called out. Uh, I don't know if it's for a good reason or someone was recording them for a selfish reason to benefit, but at the end of the day, it came to light. But mm -hmm. I'll tell you guys, you know, honestly, this there's a lot of that in a lot of different organizations that don't come to light. Uh, luckily, this came towards me, and I don't mind it at all. I can't see a better person uh, for that to come to than me because I, I really wanted to address it, and I wasn't shy about tackling it at all. So, you know, good question. I'm glad it came up because it is part of being a pro, mm -hmm. and I approach it the best way I know how to approach it. You know, some people would approach it differently, um but that's how i chose to uh, to to approach it yeah man that's that's deep man and it's crazy when it when it happened i was really conflicted and like didn't like the way things went down because i was like if i was him i would have said um i don't want to lie on my team because he's an arsenal supporter or from south london but <laughs> you know the fact that he the fact that he went that route i get it you know what i'm saying that would have been understandable that was now what your response was 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 top notch and, and very classy and you know spoke volumes about your character in that regard. But um, hey, what what would what would have happened if I was a Tottenham supporter? What what do you think would have happened? They it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened because but on Tottenham think, High Road, on Tottenham High Road, men don't move like that. You know but saying? I'm saying, yeah, but I'm saying, if it happened, you think they would have signed me because I'm a Tottenham supporter? No, no. The so my my I, I, <laughs> me and my big bro, we have this uh, term that uh. Uh, I used to watch on the show, and it says, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Wait, what? If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Why? So we don't do ifs. If, 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 if. You're not this, a Tottenham supporter. Hey, You're this, supporter. this analogy, this, I gotta, uh, oh, God. hey, listen, I, I, gotta take, I gotta take time for that analogy, but hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to ask? You want to ask the next question? I no, you get so only you receive the questions. Oh shoot! Oh, I'm in yeah. control. For once, hold, yes. Hold on, yo, it's not coming up, Pops. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, you definitely hear the streets of me. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Yo, you turn your screen around. Oh, this is like Facetime with my mom all over again. No, nah, no, nah, hold on, man. Let me find. I gotta find one that's. Uh... He turned uh, the screen around. Huh? Oh, shoot. How did that happen? Hey, I, I didn't do that, bro. Hold on, man. Hey, you distracted me. 
Now, anybody who's ever FaceTime with an African parent, this is exactly what it looks like. When I, no, when I bro, some, my mom, some people, this yo, is how my people, I gotta come close because some people wrote a lot and I can't see it. This is what's like talking to my mom and dad. Hello. And then they do this with the ear. Hello. Are you there? That's what Lewis. Right All right, look. Here, here's a question from Dennis. Uh, go. Can hey, you hold see up, hold it? up. Before you go, are you just gonna pick the questions where they where they speak to Lou, speak to you? No, obviously he know. said because you told him. You told him it only comes to me. So basically, you know, he sent this towards me. So he said my name. It's like, you know what I mean? No. Uh, right. Why right. you live in London? It says, it says, look, Pops, I'm going to change. It says, Pops, you lived in London. Uh, what is the best way to get my young kids involved in basketball in a way that can potentially lead to a full-time? A full-time? I guess uh, it's not uh, right there, but I'm saying like a full-time, let's say a full-time basketball player, a full-time, just something that will direct them that way to... You know, I mean, think about it. We talk a lot about basketball opens a lot of doors, especially when you get a scholarship. You, you know, you could you could go on and be anything, really. You could take the opportunity from it. So for you, Pops, what would be, you know, what would you say, especially growing up in London? Man, I say now more than ever, there, should, there, there are more local teams and teams in uh, – neighboring areas for me i was traveling an hour big bro was traveling all the way to brixton so i um it just goes speaks to the dedication that that we had at a younger age that we would travel so far to play a sport that we didn't know was gonna was gonna grant us so many opportunities but i would say to, to my man is uh yeah definitely find your local team and then latch on to that and um you know just just try your best to to consistently go to practice. I know for me, there was a time where, um, where I told you I was messing up in school when I was in secondary school and my dad stopped me from playing for a year. And like, that's when I realized how much I loved basketball was when I, when I, when I, when it was taken away from me. So you, you never know how much you love something until it's gone. And so when my dad was like, until you get your schoolwork um, up to par, you're not gonna be playing any sports. And it took me two weeks before um, I figured that out and got, you know, started getting on this, the, the right path. But, you know, to Dennis, I think his name was, yeah, just look for your local team. I'm, I'm not sure where you're, um, you're located or where you are, but now there's teams on every, and everywhere, especially if the sport has, has grown and continues to grow. And, you know, Luai and myself, we're definitely working towards building a sport in, in not only Africa, but in England too, because, you know, if you look at, you can walk down the street and see somebody um, six six just walking, just walking, and they've probably never seen or touched a basketball before. And I think for a country, for a city like London and a country like Great Britain, to not have um, to not have a system or infrastructure in place that allows these young kids to to benefit from playing the game is is a shame. And I know we're going to speak about it later on, but we really have to continue working to helping these kids get in. Um, get in the right position to succeed. Mm. All right, before, uh, you know, I agree with everything Pops is saying. Uh, I'll, I'll just say my two pieces with that real quick. I think, Dennis, I think it's important to, for everyone out there too, especially in London, it's really important to support um, your kids or, you know, support whoever you're mentoring or encouraging. Uh, it's really important who they're around. I think the sports, 
um, a lot of times, you know, the way we benefit from sports is who was around it. Uh, me, obviously, going to Brixton, I, I was around uh, Jimmy, and there was a lot of discipline that played other parts, uh, played in other parts. For example, like, you know, I was around guys that worked hard, they did the right thing, uh, they were good people, good friends, but they also had goals, and, you know, that kind of helped me a lot. Even though it's basketball practice, there was other stuff that I involved with being around a good, you know, organization or, you know, being around good people. So I would say encouragement is huge. Um, and a lot of times, like Pop say, when you get to 16, 17, uh, it's, it becomes more difficult as you get older because you want to mm -hmm. take your game to the next level. But it's not, you know, the, uh, the opportunities are not there. So sticking with it and, you know, just keep pushing. Uh, that, that's what I would say. Um, well, I, saw, so me, I got go, one more. So speaking of, yeah, you, you mentioned mentor, mentorship and um, having the right people in place. Uh, in that regard, going back to what we were talking about while we were in the league or playing professionally, like, can you mention, can you, um, did you have any mentors on and off the court that help you through your path um, in the league? Uh, yeah, no, definitely, man. I think um, for me, I, you know, I always, I'd say I have more than one mentor. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've really been very blessed to have people in my life that I could reach out to and speak to. I think earlier on uh, in my career, just speaking about vets in the team, I had guys in the team that you know, not only wanted to help me, I came in at a young age, I was 19, and I had guys who been through and been in the league for a while, um, and they were giving me the right advice in terms of how to survive in this league, you know, what it takes to be in this league. You know, off the court, as you know, you and I always talk to Matthew Ryder, uh, mm -hmm. shout out to Matthew Ryder, he would tell you guys how many times they're just picking up, you know, picking his brain. You know, Matthew would tell you guys even, Matthew was preaching me about doing stuff off the court way before, Man, you know, way, be yeah, way before I was even, you know, in my prime in the NBA. And Matthew was, I was coming back to London, he's pointing me in a car and we're driving around and he's showing me real estate uh, opportunities and businesses and where you should put your money, just things like that. You know, um, I've, I've really, I don't take that, you know, uh, for granted. I, I mean, I always, People that have been through it, those are the people that you always want to listen to. But there's also people who generally want to help you out. And I've had, you know, I've had those. Uh, so that's a blessing. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy you say that, especially in regards to Matthew. I mean, Matthew Ryder has been championing this this cause or just being a friend and a mentor since we were kids. You know, kids, like this is 20 plus years that he's more than that. Actually, it's probably 25 years that I've probably known Matt and um, like you said, I, the crazy story, I think it was like 2010, he was telling me about some real estate stuff and where I should be looking and what to buy. And, you know, I was younger back then. I wasn't really thinking. Pops, Pops I don't want to cut you off, but you see Matthew. Matthew's in there said, uh, thank you, brothers. Yo. Yeah. Hey, put the pressure on Matthew. People people want rough and ready back, uh, Matthew. Standard. Has to bring hey, it put, back. Put the pressure on him. Uh, yeah, whatever we gotta, name. Hey, MC listen, whatever we got to do, let bygones be bygones. We want rough ready back. <laughs> we want it back, bro. We want it back. No imitations, nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, he was he was telling me, he was telling me about, you know, just things that I would never fathom to think about as a player, as a current player anyway. 
And he was like, yeah, I should probably look at real estate and the Olympics are coming. And I was like, yeah, 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 I hear you, I hear you. And what's crazy was I didn't do nothing about it. And then the Olympics came and then he texted me and was like, those houses I was telling you were looked at, you were looking at, they've gone up 45%. Yeah. And from that day forward, whenever I make a decision or whenever I need help with something, Matthew's one of the first people I, um, I speak to. Because yeah. even if it's something that he may not be um, uh, related to or have you know the knowledge of, I always take heed to what he says. So he's definitely one mentor. I mean, obviously, you know, you were, um, you were fortunate enough in regards to mentorship um, to have Jimmy a little longer than, you know, I was able to have Joe. So, I, you know, I didn't have the person who showed me the game from the start to be around during my career. So, you know, for me, it was obviously Big Bro, my brother, who shared similar experiences as far as the path to the, to, to the U.S., high school, college, and, you know, as a professional athlete. And, you know, there's, there's Kojo, there's Amadou for sure. When I met him, um, you know, and then you and I would speak a lot too. I, like I said, you, you may be uh, younger than me, but because of your experience in high school, college, and the NBA, I could only lean on you in that regard because you had that experience. So anytime I make, like when I retired, when I, when I was thinking about coming into the league, um, you know, whether I remember it's funny, crazy. I don't know if you remember this. Um, I was, I, I played a game in the G league and it's probably one of my best games ever. I had like 46 and 19 or something. And the bulls tried to call us up and I called you and I was like, yo, Lou, the bulls are, the bulls are trying to call me up, but four other teams were trying to call me up too. And cause I was playing for San Antonio's G league team, they had the rights and before I could get a chance to call my um, my agent and be like, look, I want to go to the Bulls. He called me back. It was like, San Antonio's already called you up. And I was like, I was like, yeah, Lou, I just got caught up by the Bulls, but I can't come. So I talked to you another time. And then we ended up playing against each other. Um, no, I think you were hurt. But when I played in Toronto and um, the Bulls came to, to Canada to play us, I, that, that's great. I remember that, that joint like it was yesterday. But, um, uh, uh, so yeah, those are my mentors, big bro. You know, Joe always referenced the stuff that he taught me at a young age. Then uh, Amadou, yourself, um, Matthew for sure. So those are the people, you don't want to have too many, but you want to have a little diversity in the people that are helping you, um, helping you along the way. All right, Pops, there's a question here for you that I want to bring up because I got one coming for me that's, uh, uh, I would say it's a bit, uh, I'm going to answer it. I'm not going to avoid it today because it's been coming up a lot. But this one is for you, Pops. Um, can you see that? Ooh, respect. Yeah, so, so I kind of want you to, I, I didn't want to avoid that because you and I got a story we got to tell with uh, when we were with the GB team. Uh, the Czech Republic one. The Czech Republic one. Yeah. But it also happened in, uh, I think it was, uh, it wasn't, was it Georgia? Bosnia. No, Bosnia too. But anyway, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we get there with that story. But I want you to kind of talk about, you know, the question is, Pops, did you see a lot of racism playing in Europe? Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, go ahead. You played in Europe uh, more than I have. So go ahead. And I think right. just in general, not even just Europe. Um, yeah, in, 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 in Europe, I definitely ran into some to some harsh racism 
um, and I never really um, understood how it came about because it was like I would play for one team and then all of a sudden if I had went to another team the fans from the same team I used to play for some of the things that they would say and do were were shocking because when I played for them I wasn't they loved me they was cheering and everything and um you know the fact that they could use some of the racial slurs and the things that they did were, were crazy and um I remember my boy Stephen was talking about when they came to visit me in Turkey we would walk around the malls and there were times in Turkey um there were times in Turkey where people would come up to me and they had never seen a black person live so they would come up to me and rub my skin to see if um if it would come off and it was just shocking initially and my teammate was like yeah man this is this is istanbul this isn't like some just like some far off place in, in turkey this is one of the biggest biggest and densely most um highly populated um, cities in the world and they had never seen a black person alive um uh man when we would go into rival um uh rival rival arenas they would they would get batteries spit on coins they would heat up coins they would throw little little rocks fruit everything and they um while we're playing so try try to imagine put your try to put yourself in a situation where you're playing a game you're trying to focus on winning the game and somebody's throwing a battery at you or a coin that they've spit on or spitting on at you it man i always tell people especially nba players that you've never truly experienced fanatics or uh, a real game until you've played in that element in Europe. And you got to see it for sure when we played in GB and we was playing against the Czech Republic. And I remember I'm shooting a free throw and it's a close game. I'm shooting a free throw and I think I tied the game. And as I come back and they call a timeout, I go to the, I go to the timeout and Ron, Ron Wutilla hits me up and says, um, are you okay? I was like, why not? Why wouldn't I be? I just hit a free throw. He was like, oh, no, the fans. So I go back out there after the timeout, and I look up right before I shoot the ball. And when I tell you everybody for, from men, women, children, were doing like a monkey, uh, a monkey um, chant. chant and making noises, like I, it's the first time I had ever seen anything like that. And men, women, and children were doing it. And like some of the signs, luckily I didn't speak the language a lot of the time. I know some of these signs were um, were racist and were, were against this, a lot of the black players. And I remember going back to the free throw line and, and hitting the free throw and just staring at the crowd. Like, now what? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what this monkey just did. And that was just one story. Like, um, this is a story of what I told y'all when I got jumped in, um, when I got jumped in Italy, those are my own, those are our own fans that did that. And they were calling me racial slurs and everything like, so imagine the people that don't like, that don't like me or the, the, the fans that don't care for us. Um, and so, yeah, so that was tough. You, you can tell the, um, the Hungary story. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very similar to, to what you're saying. It, uh, it happened obviously in Czech Republic, like you said, and I couldn't believe it because I remember uh, hearing the monkey chant, but I thought at first I thought they were just booing us. Um, and I remember in a huddle, uh, even you know guys just saying, "Yo, do you guys hear that?" And I remember just I I don't know I was just so out of it I was caught up in the game and uh, 
I remember looking in a crowd and for some reason, I don't know why there's this one kid, just my eyes just went right to the kid. And I saw the kid actually, you know, doing, uh, dancing like a monkey and, and just booing, uh, booing us or doing the mo monkey chant. And it hit me, it really hit me. And at that time it's just, you know, there's two ways to go about it. Um, there's, there's a way to, to just feel like you're a victim and drop your head and kind of feel kind of like, you know, uh, you know, in a way as if it's a hate, but you don't belong there. Um, but there's also a feeling of, you know, it's a smile, especially, you know, uh, the way we were playing and you're winning, but there's a smile part of it that, you know, I'm not just playing a basketball game. I'm also black, you know, it's just, there's a unity sense of it. And um, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest with you, it uplifted me in a way where I think it brought us close as a team. Uh, yes. Those guys in the team that, you know, weren't black, they felt closer to us and they just, you know, they unite with you and it kind of brings you together. So I think in a way it goes back to, you know, it's, it's ignorant. It's, it's something that is it's, it's so stupid, but at the same time, it's, it's, it brings us together. The more that happens, the more, you know, we come together. Um, but even with that being said, I always tell people and a lot of people are going through it now and we don't speak about it, but it, it's, it's big in a lot of countries. I, I remember growing up in Egypt um, and, you know, some people might not say it, but it's, there's a lot of racism in Egypt um, and it's, it's towards the, the African uh, communities, uh, the South Sudanese communities large over there. And I've experienced it as a kid, uh, seven, eight year old, where you're walking in the street and kids are, are chanting and running after you and certain places you're not allowed in. Some, some people throwing rocks at you. It's, it's, it's really, it's a serious problem that you know, people that you get to know and, you know, my friends, the Egyptians that we were close with, they understood it because they, they got to learn and got to know you as a human being. The other ignorant part is just stupidity and lack of knowledge uh, that's still, you know, huge in a lot of areas. So I'm glad that question was asked and I'm glad we brought it up. Uh, j just to speak to that, because it will go, it lines up with, you know, continually talking about my experiences as a pro overseas, but in regards to um, racism too. Funny story, uh, I don't know if you were at the table at the time, I think you was practicing, but when we, when the last NBA Africa game we had, when Thierry Henry came. Now I'm gonna make this disclaimer. I can't stand Arsenal with a passion. I cannot stand Arsenal with a passion. I love but, it, I love it. But if there's one player and one person that I'm, um, that I, I rate and give respect to is my man, Thierry Henry. And he, he loves basketball. I remember when I played in Barcelona, he used to come watch us play and support us. And then um, he comes to the game in Africa and he's sitting there and we're talking and he's the most down to earth, coolest person I've, I've met. And he's telling stories about how he played, a, when he played at Arsenal, some of the racism that he had gotten from opposing fans and, uh, and I told him about, remember, Sol Campbell. Um, Sol Campbell was, was one of Tottenham's best players, and he was, he was rated as one of the best defenders in the world. And at and that he found, time... He, he found the light, yeah. No, 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 no stop, don't do that. Don't do found that. the truth. Don't do that. And then the, when he went from Tottenham and signed with Arsenal and the way he did it... Go on in. When I tell you I have never hated a man more so in my life than that day, um, but... It wasn't until 2011 when I played for Besiktas in Turkey 
and we won the league. We won all all three titles. They did a triple, and I, I resigned somewhere else. The the and and I, and, I, and I'm not going to generalize because I love the fans in Turkey. They were great to us. They were great to me. Um, it was just a, a few isolated situations and a few people who um, reacted that way. Like some of the stuff they were saying when we were leaving was was insane to me. They was like, uh, "I'm a you're nothing but a, a black monkey, and I'm gonna eat your firstborn or kill your firstborn." And you know, when we find you, you have to understand if I'm over there with my family at the time, that's that's alarming because you don't know who these people are who are saying it. There's 25 million people in Istanbul, and just seeing how quickly it can go from being heralded to being hated was was insane to me. And that and that moment in time, that's when I realized um, I was wrong when I was 10 years old for hating Saul Campbell for what he did. Because now it came full circle of me being a professional athlete, and I had I was riddled with the same same decision. I had to go from one team and join their rival team. And the reasons why were unbeknownst to the masses, but I still had to do it. And people didn't understand that it just made me look, they seemed, they made it seem like I was disloyal. Um, and I just understood it more. And, you know, I wish I could go back to my 10 year old self and be like, you know, it's, you, you can't hate this guy because, you know, we don't know the whole story. And although he's joining that, that crap team, you know, it's, it was probably the best decision for him and his family. Yeah. I want to stay in that topic actually, but, Real quick, there's a great question that came up, and I have to bring it up Good. Uh, from Conley. Uh, I think it's appropriate right now, because uh, I'm Austin until I die. Listen, what we think of Tottenham? <laughs> what we think of Tottenham? <laughs> hey, though, you want to hear something funny? <laughs> I get my hair cut. I used to get my hair cut in Highbury, right next to, right near Arsenal Stadium. The best barber in London, slider cuts, my man. And um, it was the day... They were playing, it was Arsenal against Tottenham, but it was in Tottenham. I'm coming out of the barbershop and I walk past the pub and all you hear is them chanting that song. And I'm like, I start to get offended because I bleed, I bleed Tottenham through and through from the day I was born to this day. I'm a big Tottenham fan. And Man, I, feel bad for I, you. I was in the right mind to run in there and be like, Arsenal wash. But then I was like, I'm all the way in hybrid. I and know what happened. They jumped you. See, see, this is what I mean by we need the true story of getting jumped, Pops. <laughs> yeah, man said he was man said he was just minding his own business, you know, and they jumped him. I don't know. I, didn't I know. was. Man jumped in my car point. and and they jumped me and then you got Kieran talking about I jumped seven dudes. But um yeah, man, it's it's that's funny, man. And and it just opened my eyes to seeing sports as a young fan to being thrusted in there as an actual professional athlete and going through some of those similar things and totally understanding what those players were going through at the time. Yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm jumping around, but there's some questions here because you were talking about teams and switching teams. So I'm looking at um, uh, Kojo send a question, but I'm trying to find it. Um, oh, yeah, right here. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I knew this was going to come up, but I'm glad it coming up from uh, Kojo. Obviously, you know, Pops' his brother, we're very close, and it's something that, you know, he feels like I got to address, so I got to 
uh, talk about it. So it's basically the question is, since we're talking about, since we're talking spicy, tell us about your thoughts on your whole Laker and magic. Um, okay, I'm going to be honest. So, you know, after... Um, after coming after coming here to uh, Miami, um, you know, I, I felt like I felt like I was uh, in a great situation. I loved the organization, and I finally, you know, fit it in. And uh, and I remember, you know, my final year here, and when uh, when the free agency came after being here for two years, what people don't understand is, and I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest. I remember when I was in Chicago. Um, and I had a, uh, I had a flu at the time during the playoffs against Brooklyn. And for I hope some that's reason, not the same time you're talking about when you were in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That that's wasn't what, the flu when you had the spinal tap? No, no, no. That, what it started off, it started oh, off. Sorry, so it started as a flu. I was taken to the hospital with other players. Um, for some reason, for some reason, the doctor decided that uh, my condition was worse and he wanted to investigate more. Yeah. So everyone else went home and I stayed and I had high fever and they decided that they're going to do a spinal tap. Um, at the time I never heard of a spinal tap mm -hmm. and the doctor explanation at the time was, Oh, it's just a spinal tap. Um, women get it all the time, whatever, you know, and if you don't know what a spinal tap is, is they go through your back and they take liquid from your brain to examine if you have any infection, right? So what happened with me was they performed the spinal tap, but you're supposed to rest um, when you get the spinal tap uh, for a day or so. Uh, I wasn't told that and we had a game the next day. So I went straight from the spinal tap, got in a car and went straight to the gym. Uh, not even waiting for the result because I felt like, you know, it's, it is, we had a game tomorrow against Brooklyn. So I went and got the spinal tap and um, I just, you know, nothing was followed up. And for the next few days, I just felt like, you know, the worst I've ever felt in my life. And I remember waking up one morning and, you know, I had to be rushed to the hospital. And I went to the hospital and I was in the hospital and still there was nothing addressed back. You know, all I got was, you know, we examined, you don't have meningitis. Um, you don't have meningitis, you're good. Uh, you know, so I got up and I went to the stadium and tried to play. Um, when I got there, I was so weak. I was so weak. I couldn't even, I had the worst migraines. I couldn't even see properly. Um, and it got serious. So I was rushed back to the hospital from the stadium. I went back to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, I luckily, I had a friend of mine who was a doctor and I just happened to call him. I called a friend of mine, got on a plane, and he flew to Chicago. When he got to me, he asked me what happened. And I explained to him what happened. And he's like, yo, you have a spinal leakage. Uh, I never knew what a spinal leakage is. And apparently, my spinal tab wasn't closed properly because I never rest. So I was still leaking brain fluid the whole time. So again, so I had to go back to, to be rushed for a second procedure. But this time, when they went to draw my blood to, to close up the spinal tap, um, my, my temperature was too high. My red and uh, white blood cells count wasn't right. So I had to wait a few days until everything was right to perform the surgery. So I was going through it. Um, finally, 
they at first they didn't want to believe my doctor or my friend saying that I need a you know uh, a surgery again to to close the spinal tap, and believe it or not, I was getting phone calls to travel with the team because we had one in Brooklyn to travel with the team to go play the next game. And mind you, I was in a hospital, and at that time, I don't think the organization understood exactly how severe it was. So I'm getting phone calls on you know get up, get on a plane. Uh, we got a game, you know, you don't have a flu, you don't have this, you don't have that, but they didn't understand what I was going through. But anyway, uh, this is going to lead to, so the next year I came back and I played and this is the year I was trading. Um, and that's a, a story for another day, but I came back that year is my going into my, I just came out of two years being an all-star. I'm performing, I'm trying to go back for a third time. At the time, I was averaging 19 and a half points. I get traded uh, to Cleveland. The reason why I got traded was I was offered um, money by Chicago that I had to take, but I had two days to take that money uh, for the contract. I was only given two days, and I felt like, yo, I've been here for 10 years. You're giving me two days to decide. You know, I'm not going to do it. And mind you, before that, in the summer, I tried to sign but the talk was, let's wait for the end of the year. But I wanted to sign early. They're like, let's wait for the end of the year. When I started performing, I was gone. So I get, I get sent away. I go to Cleveland. Anyway, I, I end up signing up with, um, with Miami. When I get to Miami uh, as a free agent, I wanted to come back to Miami. But Miami did not have, you know, the offers that I was getting. The Lakers came and the Lakers offered, um, you know, the money that I got offered was huge, huge amount of money. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was huge money. The sit down was, you know, coming in my role. This is what we're going to do. We're planning to go back into the playoffs. This is what's happening. Uh, when I got to LA, that was not the plan. And it was not what I was told. Um, I was told that, you know, for a year, this was all new to me. Uh, I didn't understand at the time what tanking really is. You know, I, I was with Chicago. We tried to win every year when I was there. Um, I was in Miami. We're making the playoffs. Miami's always trying to win. I get to LA and it's time to to go young and time to develop the young players. And I was told inside closed doors, this is going to be my role after I sign. So now I'm in LA and this is my role. Obviously, you know, when you get the money that you're getting fans is what you're saying about Soul Campbell earlier. Fans don't understand what's really happening. The, the organization the whole plan was not to win. You know, let's be straightforward. It was not to win. But where do you start pointing fingers at who's making the most money? So, you know, it started coming back to me. And it was, okay, it's either I take this this way or I take this this way. But in reality, at the end of the day, I'm getting paid all this money. So I felt like, who am I to complain at this point? And the plan was, okay, this is what we're going to do for a year. And next year, this is what's going to happen. I come back the next year and I was told right away, I came in, I was ready to go. I was told right away, we're going to do it for another year. And I was like, what are we going to do? And this was the team's plan. This is what you're going to do. So me being me, I was like, yo, I got to handle it the right way and get out of here. But it was obviously difficult with the money that you're getting and everything. And at this time, I've been in the league for 15 years. You know, so for me, I was, I looked at it as a blessing. Uh, and again, it's turning negative into positive. And I'm like, I could have been, this could be happening to me while not signing this paycheck. And when I think back of 15 years in the NBA and everything that I went through from 
playing with surgeries, going to the hospital, playing, you know, uh, for a month and a half with a fracture on my tibia um, and all that stuff, I started to think like, yo, this is a blessing from God. And, you know, it could have happened and it happens to a lot of players and it happens in a, in a, in a way worse situation. So for me, you know, I look back and I'm like, yo, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, 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 you know, it, it gave me time. I was sitting down working out, getting paid and watching games. Did I want to play? Yes. I kept working and I was ready, but I had a mindset of it's a blessing. I didn't have a mindset of hate or mad at anyone. Uh, and I was willing to take the criticism uh, or whatever anyone says, but I know how much I put in the game and I know how much I love the game. You know, I didn't write the story to go that way, but at the same time, when it's presented to you that way, you know, you got to approach it in a way where you're going to come out successful and you're going to come out, you know, looking better than the whole situation is, you know, until now, I would never say anything bad about anyone from that organization. I would never say anything bad about the organization, but everyone that was in that locker room, uh, from players to coaches, to staff, to trainers, I was in there every day before everyone. I was getting my work in, I was lifting. I never skipped a day and I still worked out with my trainer. My trainer was there, we were lifting. I was getting shots up. I never shortcutted anything. I was ready. But at the same time, I was very happy and I was very thankful because it gave me an opportunity to do a lot of things right now that if that call never came and that offer never came, I would be in a different situation with what I'm doing with my money. So it gave me a different perspective, you know? Man, that's, that's crazy that you say that because I was scouting at the time and I remember um, that occurrence going on. Obviously, I'm hearing firsthand from you what's happening and everything that's going on. And I often use your approach to that time. And we've got five minutes. So obviously, we're going to have to, in a few minutes, sign on and sign back off. Um, sign off and sign back on to continue. Yo, uh, sign back on? We have to. We haven't even gotten to finish what we're talking about. Man's hungry. And plus, my back's sore, bro. I got to stretch. Nah, nah, nah. From what? You're not lifting. What's your back sore from, bro? I was getting my pops on. What you talking about? Hey, I'm coming. Hey, listen, I'm coming out of this quarantine, right? You talking about? <laughs> hey, I'm coming out correct. Right. Nah. So, um, yeah, no, nah, I remember using um, your approach and how, your professionalism during that time to, as an example, I was like, you would have been well within your rights to, to, to not have been professional, to, 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 to have been a cancer in the locker room, to have been a bad apple but you decided to go to be to go above that and go high you was you was still in, inspiring and empowering your younger teammates and and giving them the leadership and the veteran leadership that they they needed so you know to people who to the most of us who probably would have reacted uh, emotionally and done things well what's my up bad. charlie no uh, my bad charlie <laughs> I, I see him i see him i see him um to, for the, most people including me and I have a story similar to that where um, we would have just acted emotional and just led with our heart. You still, you know, was like, I am professional. I'm still representing more than myself here. I got my family, my country, my, the continent, and still decided to go about things the right way, coming in early, working out, um, you know, supporting your teammates and just being there. Like that speaks volumes to um, who you are. And, What's it called? My, uh, speaking of a similar story, when I was playing in Russia, I was in Toronto and it was my second year in Toronto. And I remember, here's a story about getting waved and cut. So hopefully I don't forget. So I'm going to tell the story about when I got 
uh, cut from Toronto, which led to me going to Russia. And then I tell the part about when I threatened to kill everybody in Russia. Don't ask me <laughs> why, but that's <laughs> that's another situation. Hey, so, just just quickly before you get into that, you know we got we got four minutes. Uh, so so my, might my, as well my, sign on and sign back off. Yeah, but my question is, when I when I sign off and sign back on, I got some questions here. They're gonna be gone. Do they need to ask? Do they need to ask those questions again? Um, yeah, everybody who really wants those questions answered. When we sign back on, we're gonna we're gonna finish up these last couple stories and then just start answering some questions in regards to MBA and our pro career. Because you have to understand, we have other episodes that we're we're gonna be doing on live, and we're gonna address a lot of the stuff that you're already asking. So if you have questions pertaining to today's current topic, that would be great. So we're gonna he's gonna sign on, sign off and then sign back on, and we will um, continue. Yeah, look, it's, it's uh, 357. We'll need to ask questions again, yes. It's 3.57 right now. Give me three minutes. Let me just stretch my back real quick. Um, yes. We'll, we'll be back at exactly 4 o'clock. And I see Courtney. Courtney's coming in here, uh, starting conversation. Yo, just text the, the – you coming in here, yo, what's going on, Charlie? Just text Charlie, man. We ain't going to do it. Man's asking questions, I see. Uh, talking to Charlie in the chat, just text him. But anyway, all right, uh, we're back. At four, we'll, we'll be back at four o'clock. All right. There you go. That's just back. Hey man, I, yeah, I'm I'm getting good with this. Don't even take time. Why does it not work before I come on though? I don't understand. What you mean? I couldn't hear your sound before. Ah, uh, stop it, for real. I swear. It, it was it was silent, bro. I don't know, man. I really don't know why. But why would it do that? Why why is it silent when I'm on? So if I go live solo right now, it would be quiet. Yeah, basically, I'm guessing it's because I'm the only one that has a phone that was made in the last two years. So um, I'm just trying to figure out what what the issue is over there. Your team was made in the last two years. <laughs> 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 but. Um, yeah, hold up. You got you got questions? No, I was I was I was gonna tell I'm telling so I'm telling the story about you told a story about your your whole Lakers experience and uh I was gonna tell the one about how my time in Toronto ended. And I'm not and I and I can't say that it was totally related to the story that I'm about to tell, but it opened my eyes, especially now as an executive, to how players conduct themselves and how it can it can lead or burn a bridge or even have a wrong um said says uh says something wrong about your negative about your character so i go through my my it's my first year in toronto actually um i have to see probably my best season as an nba player I'm, you know i'm fan favorite six man there and summertime free agency i remember finishing my workout and I'm at Fridays, right on GW campus. Um, and I'm sitting there by myself. And I remember a couple of weeks before Twitter had just, I'm aging myself now, but Twitter had just um, had just come about and nobody really knew what was going on with this social media thing, whatever. We only really had Facebook when we was coming up. And now Twitter came about, my agent had created a Twitter account for me and I didn't really care for or want to use it, but, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching at 12 o'clock again, that famous time, 12 p.m. was going to determine whether I was going back to Toronto or they were going to sign me or not. Sitting there 
and it's like 11.45 and I'm eating by myself. And I pick up my phone. I was like, you know what? Let me see what this Twitter thing is all about. And I remember tweeting simply, let's see if they're smart. That's it. That's all I tweeted. Didn't say who, didn't say what, when, how. And I just left it at that. I'm eating and, and about 10, 15 minutes later, I just see across the ESPN ticker and it says, the Toronto Raptors sign Hedo Turkoglu, Amir Johnson, Reggie Evans, and Roshan Osterovich making pop. They signed four players that are all the same position as me and making me, and then it said making Pop Smith an unrestricted free agent. Now, I was a journeyman in the NBA. There was no way me being on, free, on the free agent market was going was gonna to warrant any type of traction. So now I'm without a job. This was during the European Championships. So I can't join the, the, the national team until I've signed, uh, signed a contract because, you know, I could get hurt and then not have a contract, so I wouldn't be able to play. And then I ended up signing with the Rockets. Oh, no, I signed with the Rockets just to go to camp. I signed with the Rockets just to go to camp, so I had to make that team. So, um, mind you, this is at the back of my head the whole time we're playing in the European Championships. And I think you were hurt that summer. You didn't come that summer. And I call my agent, and I'm, like, disappointed that I go from being a featured player on this team in, in, in Toronto and to now having to make a team. And he calls me, and he was like, the GM called him and says, that's how smart we are. And this is 2008 or 9. They, were, they wasn't really monitoring um, social media accounts back then, but obviously they were because he referenced it to um he referenced it to that tweet that i sent and it, it just dawned on me and i remember they told us as rookies never respond to media social media interviews with your heart never always respond with your mind and your brain and always look at um things that where knowing that people are judging you and people are are, are watching you so i get i, I leave toronto and I end up going to russia I ended up going to Russia, um, into Moscow, playing for Seska Moscow. And I get there and I'm thinking, okay, I came from Toronto and I'm joining this team in Europe. I'm going to start and I'm going to shift my mindset. I'm trying to take, help take this team to the EuroLeague Final Four. I get there and I start like the first game and play and, you know, we play well, we win. And then my minutes just start going up and down. And mind you, my career in Europe was totally different from my career in the NBA. You know, like I said, I was a, usually anywhere from the 6th to the 15th man on an NBA team. And in Europe, it's the opposite. I was a little bit more featured. Uh, there was teams where the offense wouldn't, wouldn't operate unless I touched the ball. And, you know, when I went to Moscow, this was probably one of the most talented teams I had played on in Europe. You know, I played with Trajan Langdon. I played with um, a couple other guys who were Russian that had played in the NBA, J.R. Holden who is a scout for Brooklyn now and probably has the most storied um, European career of any American. Um, and I'm on that team. And mind you, it's, it's the most money I ever made as a professional athlete. And I hated it. I hated it. And this is why I hated it. I was in a country that I was unfamiliar with, that was cold, it was snowing, and I'm on a team where I felt and knew that I should be playing. And I felt that I, that, I, that I should be playing a lot. And I remember I, I was with Houston briefly prior to that. And 
to get I get an email. My agent tells me, hey, Houston want to, you should have only nine active players and they want to re they want to resign you because they only have nine players on the roster that can play. So I go, um, he sends the email to the GM and like a week, 10 days goes by and I don't hear anything. So I come to practice early and I speak to the coach and I speak to the president and the GM and say, hey, um, there's, there's, there's a couple teams. And as soon as I said a couple teams, uh, he's like, EuroLeague teams? And I said, no, NBA teams um, that want to sign me. And mind you, to that point, there was maybe, if we had played 10 games, I had four or five DMPs. DMPs in Europe, not, not in the NBA where I'm playing behind Chris Bosh or Andrea Bagnani or Dirk. I'm playing behind guys who I feel like not only I'm on the same level as, but I'm better than, like, hands down. And, like, I'm just miserable. I'm like, how am I over here in Russia and I'm not getting any playing time? So I go to the coach and tell him, hey, I still feel like you, you guys are going to go to the EuroLeague Final Four with or without my input. There's been three games where I haven't had DMPs. And I have to pre reference this. The reason why I was getting DMPs because when if I played the last five minutes of the game, I was so angry and so determined that I would still end up with a double-double in five minutes. So the, the, the media and everybody else started getting on the coach. Like, you have this guy on the bench who in five, seven minutes has a double-double, but you don't play him any other part of the game. Mind you, the guy who uh, was playing in front of DMP, sorry, or DMPs mean did not play. That's what DMPs mean. For everybody out there who doesn't know what DMP means, it means did not play. So there were games where I wasn't getting in the game at all. So I would just be, I probably didn't even have to shower because I didn't break a sweat. And so, um, and so the guy who was playing in front of me was the captain, not only of the Russian national team, but the captain of, um, of the team that I was on. And that's the guy who I felt like I was hands down better than. Um, so uh, I, I go to the GM, the president and the coach and tell them, hey, I, I would like to go and join the Houston Rockets. And I remember she was like, okay, we'll let you know our response. And my agent forwarded me the email that they sent to him. And it just said, and I think she increased the font too. It said in big letters, N-O, regards. And that was it. When I tell you I flipped the table on my part, I lost it. I, my practice was at 5. I might have gotten to the gym at 2.30. I got to the gym two hours before practice. Uh, my brother plays in Russia. Uh, I was the only one. <laughs> um, I got to the gym <laughs> two hours um, before practice working on my game. And my teammate, JR, comes in. And he's like, yo, what you doing? I was like, look, today's going to be. Remember when Kevin Hart said it's about to go down? That's exactly what I said to my team. I was like, yo, get a good seat. Because it's about to be special today. He's like, if we're on the same team, we're about to go hard. I'm about to work on my game on these fools. And I remember we were playing the game, and the guy who, like I said, I was competing for a spot with, he, the ball went out, and it hit my leg. But the coach didn't see it. <laughs> the coach said, come on, Kieran, man, I'm trying to talk over here, though. Uh, the coach didn't see it and gave the ball back to my team. And, um, you know, as a competitor, Guys are like, oh yeah, whatever. He gave us the ball. I know it's not ours, so I'm gonna keep keep um keep going. And I was like, you know what? Just because I knew that they couldn't compete with us, I was like, I don't need I don't need to say that I don't need to cheat to beat this team. So I tell the coach, not nah, coach, the ball came off me. 
And the guy was like, I don't need your gifts. And opens his hands. Uh, first of all, these stories I tell you are going to make me sound crazy. Just to let everybody know, I'm not crazy. On the court, I'm very, I was very emotional and very animated, but I'm not. I'm very enter, in tune. Enters Kieran. <laughs> and enters Kieran, crazy. right? Enter. So, um, so he, he opens his arms. And mind you, I've got all this pent up aggression, um, aggression towards the organization, towards the fact that I'm not playing, towards this player who I'm playing behind, who I feel like can't compete with. Um, and he he's like, yo, you want to dance? So I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for this. So I start walking towards him. Is this is this is this the the clip they have of you chasing down someone? No, no, that's another story. That's, that's another story. That's also related for you not being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you These are all yo, isolated so, situations. It's so, okay, it's so many stories. Yo, I saw Stanley <laughs> say crazy people always say they're not crazy. <laughs> but I'm, I'm <laughs> and so he. Uh, so he opens his hands to me, and I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for this. So I start walking towards him, and obviously teammates get in between us and everything. And you know how the classic move where you got four or five people in between you, and you're about to have a fight, and then the other person gets real um, gets real animated, like, what What you want to do? Let's go. Come on, let's fight. And I'm like, oh, oh, you really trying to dance. So I calm down. Trying to dance. <laughs> I calm down. And my teammate, JR, I wish he was in the chat the other day. I wish he was here today. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. You know exactly where I sit. And I just start walking to the locker room. Meet me in the locker room. And I just start walking. I was like, I'm not going to do that hold me back and this other kind of stuff. I was like, if we really want to dance, you know where to find me. Follow me downstairs. So I walk. And my teammate runs after me. He's like, yo, you bugger. You're a black man in Moscow. And you put hands on another Russian, you will be missing out here. So, um, and then I'm like, and I look back and it's me and my, my teammate, my boy, my homeboy, JR, and the whole team and the whole organization just looking at, looking at us. And they're like, man, just get out. And I lose, I, I like, I just, I, <laughs> I just see red and I start tripping. And I was like, man, this is some BS, man. I, I could be playing back in the NBA. Y'all not playing me here. Y'all said no to the Rockets, man. This is some BS, man. I'll kill everybody in here. And I lied to you not, never in my life have I ever said or used a term like that. And as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> You're going to pay for this one. <laughs> I said I'd kill everybody in the gym, and I just walked out. In Russia, you know. In Russia. Man. Nah, and it, was just, it just goes to show that how, how the people handle situations differently. I was younger. I was emotional. I felt like I should be playing just like you did in LA. And um, you were, prof I was professional to an extent. Then all of a sudden, it just, you know, I, I it was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was just like, you know what? Anybody comes towards me, I'm, I'm swinging. <laughs> and and, and that, that's what it was. But, you know, that's, that's just one instance of, you know, how to handle a situation and how not to handle such situation. Yeah. I put, you know, this kind of relates to what you're talking about. Um, so I put that question up there. You could just continue and answer it. You could go with it. It just says, yo, does everyone see the question? Yeah. So why didn't you tell me that? I thought, you know. I was still finishing my answer. How are you going to put the question up as I'm, shut up, Kieran. No, because I was, I was being smooth with it. Like it just, it, it connected with what you were talking about. It just Truth. went with it. You know, it just, it it is, just it went is. with it because you're telling the stories 
and this question is kind of you know because you went through you went through it you know what i yeah. mean and, and the, this question is perfect for it so uh, yes so so you say you want me to, to finish yeah, yeah so go ahead uh have you you know been tested uh almost for sure quitting? like i said i've had 11 surgeries over the course of my career and I could tell a number of different stories that stick out in regards to wanting to quit. But I think the biggest one for me was I get hurt in 2011 when I dislocate my shoulder and have to rehab back to be ready for the um, Olympics. Get back, best shape of my life. MVP of the Turkish League, win all the, all the championships. And we, we go to, to Houston, meet the, the GB team. And we're working out and we have a good pre-Olympic campaign. We play against the USA, we play against Russia, Nigeria, a bunch of these 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 um, teams. And I'm, I literally felt like the best shape in my life. I had just had the best season of my career to date, and now I'm in the best shape of my life, going into the biggest moment of my career, playing in the Olympics 15 minutes from where I grew up. And literally, I'm thinking to myself and like thanking God that everything is going um, the right way for me at the right time. And so we get to the Olympics and, you know, obviously it's going to be an uphill battle because, you know, our group was tough. And, but we, you know, I know, I know for you, for sure, speaking to you, we were confident that, you know, if we played well, we could, we could make some noise. And I remember the first game we, we played against Russia. It was a tough battle. And that game was really personal for me because half that team were my teammates in, in Moscow. So I was, I was, I was, I was going into that situation trying to kill everybody. Yeah. And so I, where we play that game, then we play Brazil. And I remember we're playing, we're keeping up with Brazil. We're playing, we're competing, we're playing well. And I remember like something happens in my, and like my knee gets hit, but I feel like a pinched nerve or pinch something in my knee. And I don't know what it is after the game. I couldn't even, um, I couldn't really bend my knee, but I didn't say nothing. And we played against Spain. Mind you, I don't know. I had two solid games against, against Russia and Brazil. Then we played against Spain and I had, and we lose by one and I had two points and one rebound. And that's when I realized that, and I, I've never told anybody from GB this, but I was hurt in the Brazil game, but I didn't say nothing. Cause I was like, this is the Olympics. I don't have time to be hurt. So I'm hurt in the Brazil game. And we go into the Spain game. And if you look at the pictures, that's the first game I started wearing a knee sleeve because my knee was messed up. And um, I go, I, I play and I have two points and one rebound and we lose by one point to the reigning silver medalist and the soon to be silver medalist again. And I remember after the game, I'm just like, Everybody's disappointed. I know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, Lou's probably going to be looking at me crazy. We have this opportunity to be, you know, one of the, you know, the best teams in the world, and you have two points and one rebound. And I was just mortified. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to play any more games because my knee was just jacked up. And I remember walking out, seeing my parents, and I just started crying. I just started crying right there in their arms because, um, you know, you work so hard to get to, uh, you work so hard to get to a point and to have it taken away just like that. And knowing that we could beat Australia, beat China and still make it to the, to the qualifying rounds. I'm like, why me? 
And right after the Olympics and stuff, I remember telling my brother and my fiance that I was um, that I was gonna retire. I was done. And that was that was your moment. Yeah, it was my moment. I was I'm done. I quit. Like I like I worked too hard to do this. I can't have another surgery. It was, it was probably gonna be like surgery number ten at the time. Oh uh, no, that was surgery number eleven. I'm sorry. And I was like, why does this keep happening to me? Not only did I question my love for the game and question Quentin. But I questioned my faith in general. I was like, that's not fair. Why does these things keep happening to me? Like, I feel like I'm a good person and I feel like I do right by people. These things shouldn't happen to those type of people. And I just questioned everything in my, um, in my life, period. I had a big deal on the table in Europe and I was like, I'm done. I don't care about the money. I don't want to play basketball anymore. I remember telling my brother and him looking at me like, what? And I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to play basketball anymore. And then and that's another time when I thought to myself, it's more difficult for me to to quit than it is to keep going. Yeah, no, and, that's crazy. I I remember uh, I remember right after that, you know, um, me, Karen, some of the guys in, in the team, we went to Nando's and we saw you sitting in the corner by yourself eating all the whole damn chicken. <laughs> Didn't and I was looking, I was looking at the lemon and herb like. Oh. Yo, Oh, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Me, me and Kieran are like, yo, you think he's going to offer? <laughs> nah. <I'm>, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. But nah, I think we didn't, I mean, we didn't say anything, but we knew you were hurt, man. Uh, I think, I think we all appreciated the fact that you were playing through it. Uh, it was crazy that you were even trying to play through it, but that's how much the Olympic meant to you, how much the Olympics meant to us. And I know we're going to talk about that in, in uh, next time because uh, it's a lot to talk about, just the Olympics and what it took to get to the Olympics. A lot of people think we were allowed to play in the Olympics just because we hosted, but that's mm -hmm. not the case. And where British basketball was when we joined the national team and, you know, how many years it took to get to that level, uh, the commitment every summer. Um, I even had you know, the Bulls owner and Bulls, uh, you know, front office tell me not to go play. And I still went back every summer because I just, I believed in it. Um, and, you know, it, it's, we could cover all that uh, next time for sure. Right. But, but no, sorry, we, I just want to reference something before you go. Somebody, I, I just want to make sure people. Who said, who said I was going? I didn't know if he was going to comment just, again. I, I didn't want to cut you off, but I just wanted hey, to make sure to. Uh, we, we ain't even. I had that somewhere. You're lucky I can't. What? Did you ask what's in my hand? No, I didn't. I didn't oh, actually. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. right. It's probably it's cold. Um, what's it called? Uh, I no. Somebody asked me if I meant to say it's harder to keep going than it is to quit. No, I meant it's harder for me to quit than it is to keep going. Every time I've thought about stopping and quitting and giving the game up, I think about why I play basketball. I think about why I put so much into my my craft. And I, it was more difficult for me to stop playing. And yeah. um, that's why, that's why I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's going to be difficult path to um, rehab your knee again and come back and play. And I was like, but it's just a process. It's a step forward is still a, a step in the right direction. So no, I, yeah, before we go to the next question too, I think just to add into that, I, I definitely agree with you on that. For me, I just never, 
it's weird, man, because I never, and I think a lot of players are, you know, when you love the game, I don't think you, you think about quitting until maybe when you ain't performing the way you want to, you, you want to perform. I don't think I went through scenarios where I felt like quitting. I always felt like I belonged somewhere else when, when I didn't like the situation, but I've never really questioned my game or my work ethic or my drive. I just felt like maybe that person doesn't understand me or the situation is not for me, but I always felt like I'll thrive somewhere else. And that's even a bigger motivation to even go harder. So, you know, when it's not working in one place, I just, I automatically just program myself to say, yo, I can't, I can't wait till I'm somewhere else to show you that, you know, uh, that I can do it. So the game never, I never really thought about quitting. I just thought about proving the situation or, proving that person wrong. If I went, you know, when I went through injuries and I wasn't performing the way I was, I was always thinking, yo, just wait till I'm healthy. Um, and I'm going to show, you know, that that was definitely the injury. It wasn't me playing or someone not playing me minutes. It was like, yo, just wait till I get the right coach or I'm in the right situation or wait till this organization believe in me. So I never really wanted to quit what I'm doing. I wanted to change scenarios and change the situation. That's how I always felt about that part. Um, that's that's great. I think um, I know somebody else had asked the question uh, earlier about uh, motivation and what, how do we channel that and how do we, you know, as professionals, how we um, handle those negative times. And I think for me, if you just see the way I played, all of that was pain. That was me releasing the pain and harnessing my aggression. And when I say harnessing my aggression, whenever I got cut, whenever I didn't get any chance to play, whenever a team didn't want to sign me or something, I bottled that all up. I bottled it all in. And then when I got on the court, I released it. Yeah. I released it and took it out on everybody and on all my opponents. And so there, I had people playing against me like, yo, why are you so angry? And I was like, man, because it's pain. This is pain. This is, this is 400 years of pain. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is pain that I've gone through to get this far and to still be knocked down. So uh, I remember watching Remember the Titans and Denzel said something about, you got all this pent up aggression and you're not using it the right way. You got to harness that aggression. And from that day forward, I would always use, you know, a bad call. I would always use just something to motivate me. It didn't take that much for me to get motivated. <laughs> it didn't take much for me to get motivated. But when, I, when, when you gave me something to uh, add fuel to my fire, it yeah. was easy, and it was done after that. Yo, um, nah, that's, uh, I got a lot of questions here, so I want to just mm -hmm. throw, you know, for everyone that's sending me questions, it's really a lot of good questions. I'm just trying to bring up the questions that are not just for Pops or not just for me, just questions that we both could relate to. Hey, Henry, leave me alone, dog. Uh, but here's another one for you, Pops. Mm -hmm. um, this one, I know you could see it, but I think we spoke about it a little bit. Uh, it's a longer message, so let me try to see it. It just says, eight years into your professional career, uh, what decisions did you make uh, to sustain your health and performance on the court? I don't know if you could see the whole question, but that's basically yeah, no, the can. question. Yeah, so tell us, you know, tell, especially, you know, not everyone is going to play eight years uh, basketball. If you play, you know, that's a blessing for that many years. But in any profession, I think you keep on improving and you add things to your game. So, mm -hmm. you know, for you, you spoke a lot about injuries and setback and everything. Uh, what did you learn or what did you add into your career 
that you know necessarily not just making shots but improving yourself in order to to, to perform better or to be better uh, after that many years so for us as professional athletes um our business is our body so i always um yes i'm a big spurs fan i'm sorry i just had to address that yes i'm a big time spurs fan that's not even anywhere i can't even i'm sorry see somebody it. just wrote it i'm sorry nobody wrote that you just wanted somebody to say did just write it for no say? reason it's many it's many's ig what it's that's not even a real cup um anyway no. You could tell I had this cup for a long time. But, yo, don't try to go out and buy his first cup for our next episode because I know you you don't have one. So No, I've got to... a scarf. I've got a scarf, and I'm going to wear it the whole episode. It's a mug, bro. Forget me. It's a mug. <laughs> so, for me, I started investing in my body. And I remember, you know, what, you know what led to that? And what was the catalyst? The year I got cut from Toronto, then I go to um, Russia, and that whole situation happens. And then we have that summer, which we're going to speak about in the next episode, NGB, when we played against, um, I know Hoops Fix just, re just released the highlights and the videos of the European qualifiers when we were playing against Bosnia, Macedonia, mm -hmm. um, Hungary, and a couple other teams, and we won the group. So I remember being so motivated at the time um, going into it that I did not, you know, normally after the season, you take a couple weeks off to get, let your body recover. As soon as I got back to the USA, I, I went straight to training. I started boxing. I started doing hot Pilates. I started lifting. Like, this is what my day consisted of. And I know somebody else asked this question. I'd wake up at 5 a.m., go to hot Pilates at 6, about 30 minutes away. I would drive to Silver, um, to Silver Spring to go boxing um, Maryland to do boxing training. And I know Kieran's going to make a joke, but I did it. To no, get but we know, yeah, we I know why you get in shape. I didn't we know why I never threw a punch. All I did was the conditioning part. It's self-defense. So. Them, <laughs> them people out there crazy <laughs> jumping. <laughs> self-defense. Um, yeah, so I, um, like I did that, then I'd go to, to the court. I'd go to the court and do drills for an hour and then we'd play pickup. And that was my whole day. And I did that for a whole summer until we joined the GB team. And so... Those are the kind of things I did. Like I, I, I changed my diet. Like I, I only started. I only drank water. If I drank anything other than water, I made it. If it was, I, I, there was a year I stopped playing. I stopped drinking alcohol. Um, uh, I stopped drinking alcohol, and I would only, if I make juice, I would make get some pineapples and some coconut water and mix it myself. What year? What year was this? This was from 2011 onwards. Yeah. So after what happened to me in 2010. Um, Yo, can you block Kieran from the chat, please? Can you block him from this? Huh? Block Kieran from making comments. <laughs> nah, man. Like Listen, we need Kieran. He keeps, he keeps, he, Listen, <laughs> Kieran knows you better than most people. Right. He so um, he only, he's only mad because when we was at Duquesne, when he was in school, we played against each other. I wouldn't call it playing because I don't know what he was doing. He, uh, uh, I was just dunking all over them and. Um, that's not his fault. He was on a, a opposing team. So I get his aggression. But um, shout out to my man, Stephen. I gave up red meat, too. I gave up red meat, didn't drink alcohol, um, limited my sugars, and just started investing in my body. And literally, barring getting hurt in the Olympics, those are some of the best seasons I ever had. So those are the kind of things I did to continue my career. You, get, you gave up Jack? <laughs> um, when I, I wasn't drinking anything. I was drinking. The only time I drink Jack is when I was with you. 
What are you talking about? For everyone out there, I don't drink. I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> no, I had a sip of Hey, but <laughs> now, but uh, before I jump into the next question, uh, for me, for me, uh, honestly, I think I had to do a lot. Um, I didn't want to get hurt, obviously. I've learned a lot through the game. Uh, but I used to go to, I think, Pops, you remember when you were in Chicago, I used to go to EFT in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started going there because I felt like uh, just, you know, understanding where you thrive, your environment that you thrive. I went to EFT and I felt, again, I felt like a little tight community, uh, a family atmosphere. So I started mm-hmm. going there because I felt that everyone that worked there was trying to better me. Uh, you know, at the time, Elias, I spent a lot of time with my trainer there. At the time was Elias uh, before Jacob arrived to EFT. And, you know, uh, Elias was working with me on my weaknesses because I've always played the game. Uh, I just never really did the extra stuff. I just wanted Mm -hmm. to be in the gym, get shots up, uh, work on my ball handling, drive, whatever, whatever. But I wasn't really focused on, let me focus on other parts that could make me better uh, when I'm not on the court. So I started focusing on that. And, you know, when I first got in the league, the first thing that my agent helped me do was uh, get a chef. Um, and again, it goes back to being young, being drafted at 19. I didn't know what's good for me in terms of when it comes to eating and habits and everything. But, you know, when I got drafted, I got a paycheck that, you know, was a lot of money. I never had that much before and I could be creative and do a lot of things that will give back to me. And, you know, we sat down with my agent and I ended up hiring the chef until today. I still, you know, Dale's still with me. We went through thick and thin together. Um, and he helped me so much with my career that everything that I gave him, I can't even say, you know, it doesn't even come close to how much he took care of me and my body to, mm-hmm. to be able to play for 15 years. Right. And also definitely, you know, it's a lot of things that you got to do, especially when you're when you become a professional that you could learn in order to, to stay healthy and to better yourself and to better your game. And, you know, not just as, as an athlete, but just being healthy in general, uh, knowing what's good for your body and what's not is really important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to jump into, do you have anything you want to bring up before I jump into another question? Um, here's, uh, here's a good one. Cause I know we spoke about it at the beginning. Um, Wait, so this whole time you have questions too? I told you, Lou, we have a live document that we all share. So you see the stuff that I'm seeing? No, we have a live document with Benny, Benson, you, and myself. I am. We in just the don't live have document. a laptop. No, I, ent- I, I, I accessed it today, and you know. Right, it, but and that's, where, that's how I'm getting up-to-date information from Benny and Benson. I thought we were doing it off the question mark thing that's under here. Yeah, that's how you can see it, because you're controlling the live. So, you're so controlling I'm the saying, live. so that's my question. So... Is that thing part of that thing? No, this thing is what people are saying currently. So currently they're asking us these questions and because you control the live, you're the one that can push put the questions to the forefront. And you know what? Shout out to my um to, to Bozema St. John for joining. I know she gave me the idea about the questions and question marks and stuff. Um so big shout out to the the best marketing CMO in the world. Literally. Marketing what? She's the CMO of WME. Oh, that's what's up. That's right, what's right, up. right. Out. Thanks for letting Pops know about the question mark. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Appreciate that. So what were you going to ask? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Last last time I spoke about um, 
I spoke about what I did with my first paycheck. And I'm seeing, I remember CJ McCullum came on his podcast and said, uh, he realized, uh, he noticed that a lot of players are living check to check. And how that, how is that possible? What's crazy is when I was in, I can't even, I'm not even going to mention the team, but I remember sitting in the locker room and guys were coming in and they were like, oh yeah, it's the first, it's the 15th. I was like, I, I don't, I don't understand why you're so excited. We make a good amount of money. One check shouldn't, you know, make or break you. And it dawned on me that a lot of players were living check to check in the NBA. Now, shout out to everybody who is, you know, working hard and is working, um, has to work um, check to check, especially in this time, um, to just make ends meet. It, did, it, it was hard, so hard for me to fathom that in the NBA, all the money that guys can make, they would still be living check to check. And that's what scared me and that's what was crazy. And that's literally one of the first years after um, I, the incident happened with my, my, my advance check that um, I started living off of less than I made. Because I knew when I retired, my, the lifestyle, if I live a certain lifestyle when I play, when I retire, I can just seamlessly walk into the rest of my life and not live, and not have to live a certain way. Because as basketball as athletes, our, our, Earning, our earning capacity is finite. So, you know, for 10 or 15 years, you're going to make this kind of money. And then when you retire, I'm 36 now. I retired at 32, 33. I have another half of my life to live. And if I can't, and if, if I can't maintain the lifestyle um, that, I, um, that, I, that I had as a player, what was I going to do? So I just started changing my, um, my mindset and how to live. I started living real um, below my means so that when I retired, it was, it was easy for me to make that transition. Yeah. Now I got to, to add into that. There's two ways I look at it, honestly. And I just want to shout out the MBPA now uh, because I, you know, for me coming in the league, I've seen it change where more things were done to let players understand and be aware of, of their money. Um, honestly, when I, when, I came, when I came in the league, and I always say this, I didn't understand money. You're coming in at a young right. age, and there's a lot of people that don't understand money or how to take care of money. And a lot of times, you know, we see the, you know, let's talk about players that went broke. Let's talk about players that are struggling. Let's talk about, you know, people love to see their stories, and we don't share that much the successful stories so we could copycat it and figure out, yo, how did they do it and learn from it? So that was lacking for a while where we weren't teaching or we're not teaching players how to take care of their money and we expect them just to learn. First of all, it's, it's, it's very difficult, not just for the players, but for human beings when they're successful or when they're being handed something to actually know how to take care of it. You just, you're, you're hyped, you're excited, you think it's gonna keep coming, you know? And not understanding how to take care of something, you know, a lot of times players are not, players are looked up on as if it's, it's totally their fault. Don't get me wrong, go out there and get the research, but it also helps when you put things in order for them to, to understand. And, you know, if, if I don't know, if I've never seen a lizard swim, then I don't know uh, uh, an iguana or a lizard could swim. And I'm saying that because the other day I seen my iguana doing backstrokes in my pool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yo, but no, but we're saying that you start to understand, like coming in the league, a lot of players don't know money. When I came in, I didn't know money. I really didn't know. And I didn't think you can lose a million dollars.
You could lose that real quick unless someone teaches you that there's ways to actually make that money work for you. There's there's different ways of doing that. And I think the MVPA now is doing a way better job. You know, me coming in in the summer with Dave Groves, shout out to Dave, and us putting together a real estate forum class to teach, you know, players mm -hmm. and you know, uh, guys, how to, to be involved in real estate. Those are the classes that MBA is doing now. I know Iguodala is doing stuff with tech and so on, but those weren't there before. Before we were just told so-and-so went broke and you were told how they went broke. And then you came in and you're like, okay, this guy went broke from gambling. Guess what? I'm not going to gamble. But mm -hmm. the problem is there's many other ways of yeah. going broke. There's, there's, you, know, you know what I mean? But then when you bring someone who's successful and you tell me, yo, this guy made money going into real estate. Guess what? I could just go into real estate and learn his steps and learn from that. And that's a way to get rich. You know what I mean? A way right. to make your money work for you. So, you know, so definitely that's a great question and I'm glad it came up, but there's many ways that, you know, we're improving that stuff. And that's funny you say that because um, definitely shout out to the MVPA, Michelle Roberts and everybody over there who, is changing the narrative on on players and how they you know taking control of their careers on and off the court and um you know obviously i have an affinity for them because i used to work there and it was my first job after i retired and you know i absolutely loved it there and definitely um you know appreciate my time there and the people there because you know they're you know they're working and fighting for the players especially during this um this difficult time okay no that's great there's there's a lot of question pause but i think you know, we, uh, it's a lot of questions about pretty much our next topic. Um, you know, I think this really was to cover being a pro and our years in, uh, in the NBA, your years in Europe. Um, you know, I don't really want to jump the gun and go into our next topic, but just to let people know, uh, next topic, uh, what are we focusing on? Uh, you have, uh, the you, you have, you have the, the live that, that um, apparently I let everybody on. know Lou, myself, and my brother, we speak pretty much every other day about what we're going to talk about. He always acts like he's not involved, doesn't understand what's going on. And you're on. always on North London time where you keep showing up late to every phone call. Everything. I was sitting there. Your, your, your Metro PCS phone wasn't working, and not everybody's blaming me that I was late, but whatever. It's all good. Um, What's it called? Uh, the next episode is going to be talking about our GB and Olympic experience. So uh, if anybody has any questions in regards to that, apologies if we don't um, reference it or answer those questions now because we're going to come to that point um, on the next episode, which is Monday. So um, I see a great question here, and I, and I think it only happened once a couple times due to injuries, but someone says, do we have any memories playing against each other in the NBA? Wait, are you asking me or are you going to tell me? No, I'm asking the other person on the chat. No, my, I think, um, one of my best memories, I think, is when you played us. I didn't play in a game, but you played against the Bulls when you were in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, to me, that was uh, one of those moments where it hits you. You know, you're, you're proud. You're proud of your brother for, you know, not only seeing you in, in the UK growing up together, but also in high school. Uh, playing in the JV and how embarrassed you were. And, mm -hmm. you know, now here you are. And it's crazy because as much as I wanted us to win the game, I was cheering for you. Um, 
And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we just remember. And I, and I remember the highlights and everything. And I remember the next day exactly. as a team. Yeah, I told you this. As a team, we were watching the tape. And, you know, one thing I'll tell you about the NBA, when you have a good game and, you know, you guys are about to watch tape the next day as a team, you walk in that locker room differently, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you walk oh, in man, there like, the yeah, that's you the walk in there looking left to right, like, yeah, 20, 2012, you know, just, you know, you walk in there like I ain't let no one down. But when you have a bad game and you walk into that video session, you just hope that, you know, they didn't, Get they, that they didn't where, the, yeah, they, didn't, they didn't show you know how many shots you missed or you know defensively someone was just torturing you uh so you know we walk in and we're watching the tape and i remember you know you just dunk in and it was just your highlights you know and everyone's like yo isn't that your boy and i'm saying that like <laughs> yo <laughs> i'm saying that like man I should have just forced him left, man. Like, you know? <laughs> or like Kira says, forced me to shoot a jump shot. But uh, what, what's funny is the same thing happened to me because I think we played against each other, and I'm not going to mention which team I was on because you're not supposed to do this. But I remember we played, and I didn't get to play that game. So I'm just sitting there watching. And I did this, and Cole, my brother, just commented, but I did this uh, with something LeBron did too. So we're playing. And you and you had a good game and killed us too, and the whole time I'm rooting for you to kill, more so because I'm not getting in the game, but my my boys out there killing, and I'm like, hell yeah, and every time you scored, I'm like, oh job, man, y'all ain't listening, man. My man can, can do this, man. Respect my man. And yeah. um, what's it called? Uh, to the LeBron story, uh, I remember sitting there. I was a rookie in Dallas, and. This is actually, it's probably not anymore, but I remember they had like LeBron's top 10 dunks. And this was one of them. He was uh, one of the games I got to dress. I don't think I played this game, but he goes baseline on Josh Josh Howard and Sagana, you know Sagana. Sagana shout out to uh, Sagana Jop. He jumps and he's like 7-1 and covers the whole basket. I'm saying there's no way LeBron can go over this dude and dunk it. So he's just like this in front of the basket. And LeBron goes like this and just throw, and goes by him and throws it in. I stood up and said, we're here. <laughs> I was like, and he was never my teammate. And I'm on the opposing team like, yes, yes, he did this. And my teammate quickly grabbed me and told me to sit down because I'm over here cheering for the other team. But I was a fan for a second that I stood up and celebrated what an opponent did. And that's funny. I was like I said, I say that to say I did that the same when when you you played against us and was more so rooting for you than wanting my team to win. Yo, it's funny, it's funny you said a similar story, man. I'm never gonna say this guy's name, but I had a teammate who uh, he just got traded from uh, he just got traded to us uh, mm-hmm. from uh, from New York at the time. And uh, Eddie Curry was playing for New York, and we're playing the Knicks at the time. And he thought he just arrived like a game or two before he just arrived. So he's sitting on the bench. And honestly, I really believe he still thought he wasn't playing that much. So he thought he's still in New York. I know exactly who you're talking about. Too. And Eddie Curry, Eddie Curry went on a move and dunked on us, right? Dunked on like two guys. And he, just like you, he totally forgot. And he, he jumped up. But instead of like you, he's turning around. Like, yeah, trying to give high five to, to the guys on the bench. 
And everyone's just looking at him like, yo, you're gone. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> you're gone. The next day, you're gone, man. <laughs> no, nah, that's nah, that's crazy. I saw, uh, I saw a question here that I wanted to bring up, but uh, let me try to see it again. Um, something relating to... Uh, we got three. 10 minutes, too. Huh? We got 10 more minutes left. All right, let me go down here. Oh yeah, right here. This one is a good one. Uh, pretty much, what's your what's your most memorable Ooh, game? Amazing. We'll, we'll finish it at this as a pro. What is your most memorable game, uh, college or pros? You just uh, you go ahead. Uh, I'll pick. It's hard to pick one from pro, but I'll pick um, <laughs> one from each. So for me, in college, like I said, I wasn't highly touted. I wasn't. Um, never spoke about going to the NBA. It was never my, I, I thought, I never thought it was going to be in my plan. It was a dream. And my junior year, we played against Maryland and Michigan State on back-to-back -back days. And I remember the week leading up to it, Michigan State had played Duke. And, you know, the guy that I was going to end up guarding was uh, Paul Davis. He went to Michigan State and they dubbed him the next Christian Leitner. And I remember my assistant coach coming in saying, you're about to play against a guy who they've called the next Christian Leighton. Plays for the USA team, just killed Duke, and now he's your um, now he's your matchup. Now what you going to do? I lied to you not. Um, I didn't get any sleep the night before. And I was, and I never, and I get nervous before every game, whether it's a men's league game or an NBA game or whatever, or Olympics, I, I always just got nervous. But I always knew when I got nervous, that I was going to be ready to play because it forced me to focus in and perform at a higher level. And I remember the first play of the game, I think I went baseline and, and dunked it on him. And he just let me do it. And then I was like, I got one. And I literally had my best game as a collegiate athlete against arguably the best big man in the country. And um, that, that's what, that was the day that people started asking, was I going to go to the NBA? So that was probably my most memorable um, game in college as a pro, barring the game we had against Bosnia, um, which we can talk about next time. That's probably one of the best games I've been a part of. You remember that game? Yeah. Um, I think we had, and Sam knows better, I think we had 70 points and 40 rebounds between the two of us. Um, but we'll tell that story next time. But for me, I think... Uh, here's the story with me. For me, we got nine minutes. So for me, I, I'm in the G League my second year, my uh, my third year out of school. I'm in the G League playing for the Austin G League team, and we're in California. And I'm going on this run, um, and I'm playing these games. And a Toronto scout approaches me and tells me, "Hey, um, you're uh, the Raptors want to work you out." So I have to fly from California to Austin to get my passport and then fly to, to Canada. And I can't say who I was working out against because everybody knows who, they, who it is. Um, I get there, and as I'm coming downstairs in the morning to go to the workout, they pick him up in a limo. And I'm, I try to hurry up to get in because I'm like, I know I'm not late. What's going on? And the limo just pulls off. And I'm like, how they just going to leave me like that? So then I get there, and then the team security pulls up in a 95 Navigator. And says, yeah, let's go. And picks me up and is um, in there. So mind you, like I said, I use 
it doesn't take much to motivate me. When I saw that they were picking him up with a limo and they picked me up in a, in a, a whatever car, I was like, oh, I see where this is going. So the whole time I'm just focused. And funny story is where we, we get there and they take our height, weight, measurements. And as we take our weight, it says strip down to your um, spandex and take your weight. I take my weight, they say my weight, and um, we turn around and dude has taken all his clothes off. It's totally naked. <laughs> it's totally naked. And I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And he's like, what? We're taking weight. He's like, I didn't know we were taking weight. I wouldn't have ate breakfast if, <laughs> if that was the case. And I was like, man, what were you about to eat for breakfast? So right then and there, I already know what type of day it's going to be. Uh, he takes his weight. Obviously, he was a little heavy. Um, then we play. And literally, I may have had the best workout I've ever had, period. And my agent said, if the workout goes well, they'll keep you there. They'll keep you there, and you'll just play the next game. And after the workout is done, I was like, the workout couldn't have gone any better. I'm just going to prepare to stay. Then I find out that I'm getting on a plane in, in two hours. I was like, what? And so I was pissed. I get back to, um, I get back to Austin, and it's just I'm lost. And we have, um, in the G League, we have these things called school day games where we play at 11 a.m. in front of a bunch of kids. And we invite a bunch of schools around to play. And um, I go, I go and, and, and play the game. First quarter, I'm like one for seven, playing for Smith Snyder. And I just didn't have any energy. I was tired. I didn't have any legs. And my teammate, and I introduced you to this, and my teammate was like, yo, I have this little shop thing called a five-hour energy. I can, I, can, I can give it to you if you want and help you take it. I'm like, man, whatever you, whatever you can do, I'll, I'll use it. So I get it, pour it in my, in my Gatorade, and I drink it. I think I had two points and one rebound at the end of the first quarter, and I ended up with 46 and 19 to, fin to finish the game. And, so, and then after that, I never played another day in the G League, and I went to the Spurs, and then my, my career with the Raptors started. So that was my best game as a pro. Hey, before I know, um, I want to answer it. Got, I got a few, man, but it's, it's going to... Um, it's gonna cut off anytime soon, but uh, there's there's a few games for me that are memorable. I always remember, and I'll be quick. The first one is my first game ever in the NBA. Uh, it was against the New Jersey Nets. It was also the first time my mother ever seen me play basketball. Yeah, uh, I remember. I think I had 21 and 11 or something like that, and I, I really realized that I belong in the NBA. Uh, it was kind of like, yo, uh, welcome to the league. I'm here. Um, my second one, kind of similar to yours, but didn't go your way. Um, I was so tired one day, and my friend Adam was saying on the baseline, uh, he got courtside tickets. And I remember I took five-hour energy because I was so tired. And I'm not going to say what game that was, but I went one for nine. I made one jump shot, but I had 15 rebounds. I was just running. <laughs> oh, yeah, you told me this. I was running all over the place, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't shoot for nothing. It was just... You know, I had so much energy, but I couldn't focus. It was just go, 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 go. After that, never took uh, energy drinks, so just naturally, right? Mm -hmm. My last one, this is hilarious, but at the same time, kind of crazy. I got hit on my ribs. Uh, we had a back-to-back. -back. The, the, the first game, I got hit, like, right here. I got elbowed. So I went home, and I, I got this book for uh, fruit drinks and juices that, you know, take away soreness and stuff. So my chef put all these fruits together and mixed them. And he put beats in it and everything. And I drove to the game, you know, for the next game. 
I remember going to the bathroom and peeing, but I was peeing, you know, all the fruits that I took, but I, I think I took beets or something. So I was, so I peed, my pee was red, right? So I was shook, but I was like, yo, who do I tell? And I remember telling my teammate, I told Joe Kim like, yo, I think last game when I got hit, something ain't right, right? So I'm going out there playing and I said, yo, I'm gonna make sure they remember me for this game. <laughs> this is my this is the last game. <laughs> if this is my last game, I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna make sure everyone remember me for this game. I went all out, bro. I went all out. Come to find out, I told the trainer. The trainer's like, "Yeah, it's probably beats or something," and I was fine. But yo, the the way my mindset was, I gave it everything. <laughs> yo, you took playing like it's your last game to heart. On I, that one. I was like, "Yo, they're gonna remember me for this one." Twenty and twenty, I'm going in. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that's hilarious. Uh, but um, we do nah, have a, real, a, a, go ahead, real quick. Yeah, real quick. I think it's gonna cut off. So go ahead. You know, you love doing your shout out. What? What is that? What? Is, what is that though? What is that? What's wrong huh? with you? What's wrong with you? Because you gave me the job of clicking the question mark. So I think you should do the. Well, I have the, the live document, so I know what we're supposed to be doing. So um, just it's FYI. gonna cut, pop. It's gonna cut. So no, no, no. We started after uh, four o'clock, so we're okay. And I'm and I'll try not to be long winded, but um. For everybody that's asking, all the lives are going to be saved and uh, we're going to decide how we're going to, you know, either replay them or have them available to watch at a later date. Um, I know my man, Sam from Hoops Fix, is gonna, has been releasing some of this, the, um, the snippets from our live. Um, also, again, appreciate everybody. Went another two hours today. Um, hey, I'm trying to talk. Could you not do that with um, what? Stupid Cup? Nothing Yo, even in there. I don't even think did they sell Tottenham. Oh, we're in quarantine. You ain't getting no Tottenham clubs anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, again, shout out to everybody who joined today. Cole, Ords, uh, Bose, um, uh, Kieran. I don't know why I'm thanking you, but you know, Mateo, Cherie, everybody, appreciate you guys for joining us. Ashley. Um, Stephen Burfi, dead cup. Tell him, Stephen, that's a dead cup, bro. <laughs> that's a dead cup you have right there. Um, but no, I appreciate everybody for joining. We didn't know what this was going to be when we started it. We just wanted to, you know, give you guys some insight to what our lives are like um, during our careers. So, with that said, hey. yeah, nah, shout out to everyone, man. Respect, love. Uh, Benny, what you mean I have no respect? Nah, I have all the respect. Nah. <laughs> Shout out to Benny. Uh, shout out everyone, man. Uh, truly, this has been real cool. The feedback has been great. What I love the most is I never really thought about it this way, sharing the story this way. I think a lot of people, you read stuff and you see stuff, but uh, for those that know us, you know, it's this is just a straight up conversation. We're enjoying it. Whatever comes out of it that, you know, is positive, um, you know, it's a blessing. And, you know, uh, we'll see you guys. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, Monday. I'm not signed sign on in the live doc, but, uh, we have this, we organize this thing where we tell you guys, you know, how the setup is. So <laughs> we're going to go back to our meeting. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure out, but it's, it's, it's more than likely, um, Monday, Monday we'll be back. So enjoy your Easter weekend. Happy Easter to everybody who's celebrating it. Enjoy it. Um, obviously nobody's going to be outside, so have a good one and enjoy it with your families. Yep. Salah, Bobo, with the beat. <laughs> Whatever he just said. Um, peace. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit Hoops
fix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.